And, and be careful getting in and out of the car. Don't get any dings in the door, you know? And, and make sure, hey, come here, make sure you put the good gas in there, because if you put in the cheap stuff, it's going to make the engine start knocking. I don't want that. We'll be here waiting, just the two of us. Hi. When's Mommy coming back? She'll be back around dinner time, Mommy. Is dinner time soon? No, but don't you worry. We're going to have a lot of fun. But we need Mommy to have fun. Are you trying to just break me down in the driveway? Yes, you can. I can! Yes, you can. I really will! Good, come on. Feel so good? Mm -mm. You feel like you want to throw up? Okay. Gil, oh my God, I'm tender, baby. Oh, sweetie. Oh. Gil, why are you just standing there? Oh, I'm sweetie. waiting for her head to spin around. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. Oh, wonderful, amazing man. And well, we we started seeing each other a lot, and um, we fell in love. <laughs> It actually happened, and uh, we've decided to get married, which means that what? I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm getting married. <laughs> so, Dad, stop and say something. I'm sorry. What did you say? Dad, I met a man in Rome, and he's wonderful and brilliant, and we're getting married. Mom, what's he doing? George. George, what is it? <laughs> well, there's a lot of you. I'm a bad father. You're not a bad father. When you show up. Make James, Mom, you promised. That's right, I did promise. Okay, all right, we're gonna stop at the kids' shoe department first, and then I gotta pick up my watch from the battery store, and then I'm gonna go to the linen store. Why don't we go to all the stores? Every single store in this godforsaken shopping mall. Wouldn't that be exciting? You know what? Why don't I take the kids, and you just stay here and hang out in the men's department? Maybe there's a jewelry store back at the mall, and I can pick her up a pair of earrings or something. That's good, but we did forget the anniversary. That's right. And that is a major oversight. Okay, okay. So, beautiful. Thanks. Hello. Dad? Hi. Where are you? At the airport. Our plane's about to take off, but I couldn't leave without saying goodbye. Thank Mom for everything, okay? Dad? I love you. I love you very much. I love you too, sweetheart. Thanks for calling. And have a great honeymoon. Thanks, I will. Bye. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads uh, today.
It was about a little over 11 years ago, my world got rocked. It changed. And all of a sudden, things that were foreign to me became common, like formula and diapers and onesies and going 11 months without a full night's sleep. But, wow. I see a lot of first-time dads, and I see you walk in, and one of them said to me this morning, he walked in, he said, man, it takes forever to get these kids out of the house. I'm like, I hear you. I know what you're talking about. He said, I don't care if we get up at five. We'd still be late. So happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. And if your dad is no longer around, if he's uh, gone on, uh, just uh, let this day be a day to remember him and honor his memory. Today, we're in the last few installments of a series called Heroes. And what we've been talking about, the teaching team and I have been going through this series talking about how God can use just ordinary people to do extraordinary things. No matter where you are in life, no matter how ordinary you might feel, God can use you to do something extraordinary. No matter how bad you may have blown it in the past or made mistakes, it doesn't matter. God can still use you to do something extraordinary. You know, one of the most awesome titles that any man can have is dad. Throughout life, we can gain a lot of titles as we're working or doing something in the community. We can gain titles, but the greatest one that you can ever have is the title dad. Being a dad sometimes can be humbling. It can be a humiliating experience at times, and you're not always on the same track with your kids. You know what I'm talking about? And sometimes you wonder, were they just put here on earth as a test? Is there something going on I'm not aware of? I mean, God wired them up in a way to see right into what just touches my buttons, and somehow our kids know us more than we even realize. One day, I wanted to tell our youngest daughter, Abby, I I like to tell my kids that I love them and and we're an affectionate family. So I got down on my knees so I could look Abby right in the eyes. And I said, Abby, daddy loves you so much. Put my hands on her shoulders. And she looked at me for a second and said, you've got really bad breath. (laughs) I was like, okay, great, great. Fatherhood can be confusing, but every dad can be a hero. In fact, every person can do what I'm going to talk about today. Moms, dads, kids, everybody can do what I'm going to share. When I first became a dad, I thought, how in the world am I going to do this? How is this supposed to work? I can't find a dad manual that walks you through it step by step. So I just read every book I could about being a father of, in my case, daughters, and and how would God want that to be? And I remember praying, thinking, God, what do you expect of me as a father? So what does God expect from dads? There's a lot of non-dads in here, so in your notes it says, what does God expect from dads, slash, just write in the word me, because it's the same thing. In the Old Testament, there's a story that we can get a lot of what God expects from dads and everybody else from. It's the story of Abraham, who's sometimes called the father of faith. It starts in Genesis chapter 12, and it just picks up, and Abraham is 75 years old when we begin to read. 75. 
I don't know, the first 75 years, not sure what he did, but somehow at 75, God communicates clearly to Abraham, it's time to pick up your family and it's time to go. So the most heroic things that Abraham ever did came after he was 75 years old. And God called him to leave where he was, to leave his home country and move. To move from what's now modern-day Iraq and Iran up in the northern part there and to walk all the way down to where is now known as Israel. And he said, pick up your family and go. Because, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Nobody's going to be able to stand up against you. Your enemies will be my enemies. Your friends will be my friends. And God says, you are going to do wonderful things through your descendants, through your children, through their children. There was only one issue when Abraham was 75 and God was talking to him. He had no kids. So at 75 years old, he took out with faith in God, thinking, okay, God says my descendants, which I don't have yet, are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So a few years later, in fact, 11 years later, still no kids. He's 86 years old. And, you know, he and his wife are starting to say, okay, you know, we're getting up there in years and, and uh, no kids. So his wife, Sarah, finally gets so frustrated waiting on children she says, Abraham, take my maidservant, sleep with her, have a child, we'll claim it as our own, and, and that must be how God is going to fulfill his promise because I haven't had any kids. So that's what they did. They got tired of waiting, and they took matters into their own hands. Then, at 99 years old, God spoke to Abraham again and said, you're going to have a child not the way I wanted you to do it the first time. You're going to have a child with your wife, Sarah. And they think this is really funny. It's like a child. You know, Abraham's going, I'm 99. I'll be 100 when this child's born. Wow. You know, I'm fit. And Sarah, 10 years younger, is going, if you come near me, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Stay away. But God still gave them this son, Isaac. 17 years later, Isaac's 17. Abraham's 117. God says, I want you to go and sacrifice this child on the altar. Kill him. And all that began with Abraham's journey when God said, go. At 75 years old, when God said, go, I want you to leave your homeland and follow me, Abraham went. And based on this story, based on these heroic acts, we can get a few things out of here about what God might want from fathers today. That story I just told you about takes place in the book of Genesis. It's retold in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. It's retold when the author of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is talking about heroes of faith. When he's talking about, look at what these people did. Look at how these ordinary people put their faith in God and made a difference in the world. So what does God expect from dads, from me? The first thing he expects is to have faith. Faith is being sure of the future even when you can't see the future. Faith is not always comfortable Because, I don't know, if you're like me, you want to know what's coming, right? 
You, you want to know what's around the corner. This is probably one of the hardest things in life is to just let go, let completely let go of the future and put it in God's hands. Planning for the future and wanting control are two different things. What I'm talking about is releasing the control of the future. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went out without even knowing where he was going. I remember the first time I read that verse, I was like, yes, there's somebody like me. I don't know where I'm going. And here's Abraham. He, he just followed God, not even knowing where he was going. All he knew was God called him to move. God called him to act. He didn't know the how. He just knew God said, go and go now. And that's all he knew. And he did it. Sometimes God is going to call us to go to a new place, to go to another level in life. Maybe that's geographically and you move like Abraham did. Maybe that's relationally. Maybe it's spiritually. Maybe it's financially. But sooner or later, God is going to call you and me to go. And we may not see every single step of the way, but we trust him with the future and that's what faith is and when you want to know exactly what the future is going to look like it can get frustrating and it can lead to worry you know what worry is worry is the enemy of faith worry is looking at the future and thinking about what you don't want to happen worry is looking at the future and thinking about it negatively I might die. I might get dumped. Um, I might lose my job. I might lose the relationship. Well, you know, you might. But worrying about it is not going to change anything. Worry is the enemy of faith. You know, you can't connect the dots by looking forward in your life. You can't say, this is happening now, so this can happen later, and then that's going to lead to that, and then that's going to lead to that. You can try, but you're probably going to be wrong. The only way to connect the dots is to look back. And if you look back in your life five years, 20 years, could you have looked towards the future and said where you were going to be today? Could somebody, no, nobody can do that because you don't know what the future is going to be like. You can only look back and connect the dots and answer why by looking into the past and saying, well, that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. That's why I got this job and not that job. That's why I went to this town, not that town. And oftentimes, the only way to connect the dots is to look into the past. And sometimes you can get a lot of answers to the question, why? But it's humanly impossible to look into the future and to connect the dots. As humans, though, it's hard to keep from trying to see the future, know the future. It's hard not to try to take things into our own hands. I struggle with that myself. Abraham struggled with that, trying to take things into his own hands. It's just something humans do. We try to move things in our own hands because when we're in control, maybe we feel better and we feel like we got this thing going, we got under control. And just like Abraham and Sarah finally got fed up and said, God, it's been 11 years. We're tired of waiting. We're going to take things in our own hands. And then they ended up with a child that did not belong to Sarah, which was not God's plan. That was not God's promise. 
And they thought, well, we're going to take God's promise into our own hands, and we're going to go ahead and make the situation happen so I can have a descendant, and we're going to connect the dots into the future for God because we got this thing under control. You can't do that. Then, after Isaac is born, God says, I want you to sacrifice him. Abraham rightly should have thought, what are you talking about? sacrifice a person? Because Abraham would have immediately known all the other false religions in that part of the world in that time sacrificed humans. They sacrificed children. There was a God called Molech, a false God that people sacrificed their babies to. And Abraham rightly would have been thinking, what in the world? That's what all of these other false religions do. And now God's asking me to do that But you know, Abraham didn't think that. He knew that God had promised his descendants to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. He knew that the promise that God made him was going to be fulfilled through this child or his his children. So he just followed God when God said, it's time to sacrifice your child. He did not try to connect the dots in this situation. Remember a few weeks ago when I first started this series, I talked about it's okay to plan ahead, just use a pencil, be willing to change at any time. Abraham had planned ahead. He had just used a pencil. And then God says it's time to sacrifice this boy. And God was testing him to say, Abraham, do I have your heart? Do I have your faith? Because you've allowed even even your son to come into the place in your heart where only I should be. So God tests Abraham. You know, Abraham died at 175 years old. I mean, any guy that can have a child at 100 could live a little bit longer. So 175 years old, he died. And I bet at that age, if he had a picture album, he could look back and say, oh, that's why that happened. Yeah, and that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. He could look back and connect the dots. Okay, dads, listen to me for a minute. You are supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. I know it doesn't always work out like that because bad things happen and and stuff happens. That's just the way life is. But ultimately, you are supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. That's the role God gave you. And the greatest gift that you can give as the spiritual leader, or moms, if you're the spiritual leader of your home, the greatest gift that you can give is develop your own faith. Grow in your own faith. Give the future to God. That's the greatest gift you can give to your kids. I know we think, well, if I can get just enough in the college fund and and they can be okay down there, and, and that's great, do that. If I can just earn enough and get them this bunch of stuff, they'll be really happy, go ahead and do that. But the greatest thing that towers over all of those things is faith. If you develop your faith, you will do way more for your kids than you could ever do with any material thing on the face of the earth. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The most stability you can provide in your family, spiritual leaders, is the gift of faith. Faith is giving up control and not trying to connect the dots in the future. 
It's what Abraham did, and it's what God expects us to do. Another thing God expects of me, of dads, is to have the time. To have the time. Time leads to trust. Spending time with someone leads to someone giving you their trust. Abraham's son Isaac had to trust his dad. This is the son that was born to him in his old age. He's the son of the promise. And now in Abraham's life, God is saying, it's time for you to go sacrifice to kill this child that I gave you. So picture the scene. Abraham, 117 years old. Isaac, 17 years old. Isaac was probably, he could probably take his dad if he needed to. They're going up on the mountain. God has said, Abraham, go sacrifice this child. Isaac's with his dad like he must have been countless times before going to make a sacrifice. And he's walking up with his dad and he's looking. He's going, okay, fire, wood. Uh, Dad, where's the sheep? Where's the bull? I'm getting worried, Dad. What's going on? And and all Abraham says, as Isaac's probably going, gulp, (laughs) all he says is, God will provide a lamb. God will provide the sacrifice. I would imagine he had spent so much time with his dad that he trusted everything his dad told him. And when his dad said, don't worry about that, son, God's going to provide a sacrifice, he needed no more explanation. That was it. He trusted his dad, probably because his dad had spent so much time time with him. Time leads to trust. There are five destructive words that can get into any family, into anybody's life. I mess up with this all the time, and I'm sure many of you do too. These five words can mess up relationship with your kids. It can mess up relationship with your wife, husband, family, It can mess up relationships. It can mess up your relationship with God. Here are the five most destructive words. I don't have the time. Dad, let's do this. I don't have the time. Dad, can you go do this with me? I don't have the time. Hey, you want to get into a community group? I don't have the time. How How about you come to the to a Bible study with me, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. Just take another step and get more involved. I don't have the time. Hey, honey, how about we go on that vacation we talked about for, uh, I don't have the time. Destructive words. And if you find yourself saying those words over and over again, like I say way too often to my family, Stop doing whatever it is in your life that's making you have to say, I don't have the time. The reason you probably don't have the time is because you're trying to connect the dots in the future. You don't have the time because you're either working so hard or doing something else so hard. You just don't have the time because you're out there trying to connect the dots and make sure you got the future completely under control. But today... You don't have the time. Did you know that God gives you all the time you need, all the time you need to develop healthy relationships? 
And if you don't have the time to develop healthy relationships, then I believe you're doing something that's not in God's will for your life. Because he gives you all the time you need. Abraham would have spent so much time with his son. Isaac would have known the story about how God said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And the faith of the father was handed down to the son. So as Isaac laid on that altar and his dad had a knife ready to go at his throat because God said so, Isaac would have known there's got to be a way out of this because dad said that God told him that through me, there's going to be descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that the promise will be fulfilled through me. So there's no way I'm going to die. And both of them with faith that could move mountains were there at that altar that day. And Abraham had his fist up ready to do the deed with the knife. And God stopped him and said, don't harm the child. Now I know I fully have your heart. I fully have your attention. And I fully have your faith. And I bet that most of the reason that Isaac was able to lay right there is because his dad had spent so much time handing his faith down to his son. So my encouragement to you today is do what you have to to stop saying, I don't have the time. God expects something else from this story. He expects us to leave a legacy. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that Abraham died without ever seeing God's promises fulfilled, yet he still died with great faith. That means he was fine with it. That means I don't get to see this promise fulfilled and my greatest ministry is going to come after I'm gone, but that's okay. Just imagine how Isaac must have felt after Abraham was gone And Isaac was faced with a difficult task. When he was tempted to try to connect the dots in the future, when he was struggling with his faith, I bet he remembered the example set by his dad, the way his dad trusted, the way his dad obeyed. And even when it didn't make sense, even when God was just way out there and he didn't get something, he probably remembered the faith of his dad and his dad's legacy lived on. The greatest compliment I could ever be paid by my kids, is going to be in the future. When they're going through their life and they're facing some difficulty or they've made a mistake, they've goofed up and they feel like here's a mountain I can't get across and they think, what would dad do? What would dad say? How would dad handle this? That's the greatest compliment that I hope I get in the future. Because Little eyes watch us. Little eyes want to learn from us. I remember when our daughters were little, I would hold them in my arms and look into their little eyes, and I would think, what, what are they going to sound like? What are they going to talk like? What's their hair going to look like? What, what's their personality going to be? And just wonder what the future was going to be like. God wants every dad, every person, but especially dads, God wants you to leave a legacy. And if you feel like, well, I haven't done anything to leave a legacy up until this point, you can start today honoring that legacy. No matter how old your kids are, no matter how bad you've messed up, you can start now. God says, 
that each of us can be everything we're created to be. Each of us can have faith. Each of us can trust in God for the future and not be tied to those five words. I don't have the time. And each person in here can seek to leave a legacy. So even though Abraham blew it, even though we all mess up, we can still do something heroic. We can still do, do something extraordinary by putting our faith and trust in God and saying, God, you've got the future. I'm going to focus on what you've given me today. I want to close by reading this note that is going to be in the card that my dad gets from me. It says, Dad, this is just part of it, but Dad, did you know I was watching you when you counted out your money on the table? Knew you were a little short, but you still bought me that new bike. Did you know I was watching? I didn't know this would be hard to read. Did you know I was watching you when someone spoke very unkind words and you didn't retaliate? Did you know I was watching the time you bought that family grocery so they could eat? Did you know I remember the times you did without to give to me? even though I didn't say thanks? Did you know I remember the first time you ever treated me like a man? It's when I was 21 and just accepted Christ. For the first time in my life, you shook my hand and you said, I'm proud of you, son. Thanks, Dad. God wants every person to leave a legacy. And you can do it. You can have that kind of impact on your children. Even if your dad is gone, you can honor him by remembering. So may this Father's Day be a day that you decide, I'm not going to say I don't have the time anymore, or I'm going to say it a lot less. May this Father's Day be the one where you say, I am going to be an example of faith, and the greatest gift and the most stability I can provide to my family is to hand them faith.